0: This is The Andra Segovia Show. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the program. This is another Critic Corner segment, if you will, because I am reviewing Tenet. And if that sounds a little familiar, it's because you know I've already done an episode where I spent time talking with a friend that didn't enjoy it like I did at the time of its debut back in August 2020. Uh, We dissected everything that was possible at the time, real reactions of Tenet, and one year later, how is it perceived? Can people still enjoy it if they watch it? Or was the, the, the bad word of mouth so much that um, that was the worst of Nolan and people didn't want to check it out anymore? Look, I hope to address some of that. But a lot of the stuff that I, uh, I've addressed about the, the mechanics of the film, I've already talked about it in an episode. So I'll be leaving this. For those of you watching on YouTube, you'll be able to check it out at the end when I put it somewhere around here. And uh, for everybody else, I'll be leaving a link down below in the description or maybe the comment section for you to be able to just jump to that one and check it out. It's nearly two hours. I know that the raw footage was over two hours, but I try to condense it as much as possible um, to basically talk about it. And that one, believe me, I spoiled the heck out of that movie. And as I'm trying to make it as a setup for my reviews, uh, I'm going to set up the plot as quickly as I can, give my spoiler-free review, and then spoil the heck out of it in my spoiler review, and then close it out. So for those of you who are watching on YouTube, I'm gonna make sure these are timestep down below. Now, just for reference, this is not my usual setup. This is not normally how I do things uh, for my show. That's because this is actually being done live on Tech Talk episode five. Um, I had a chance to, to nerd out and I got my nerd shirt. This is my Batman polo with my name etched on it. It was a gift from my father pretty awesome and yeah so i'm like you know what why don't i just ride the high of the adrenaline of having an episode where i talk about the nintendo switch and stuff and advancement is foldable displays for samsung and why not just take advantage and talk about this particularly because as of this recording i had just finished watching tenet yet again and enjoyed it even more yet again so i'm excited to talk about tenet and I'm going to jump right into that. I do have a timer going off. Uh, So I'm doing a countdown too, because I got I got to wrap things up because I got to go exercise after this. So for anything and everything regarding my show, go to www.teachersegover.com. That's where it starts. That's where I have it. And if you want to check out stuff that's not related to any political or real estate, that's where off the record is. Well, not the off the record itself, because off the record is where I'm heavily, heavily in your face about politics. Uh, but uh, the critic corner is about movies, reading corner, so it's mandatory, soundtrack corner, tech corner, that's where you go. So if you've actually seen my previous tenant video, thank you so much. The critic corners where you'll be able to find that post. But today, I want to talk about tenant, and I have my issues with some of the some of well the, the way the marketing handled it because uh, not usually Nolan is pretty awesome at this uh, with the marketing team, but uh, they went a little far and spoiled a few things I think uh, in the last trailer, and they put uh, like a like a pop song or pop culture song on it just to like hype it up. It didn't need that at all. But the movie unfortunately had to had the bad timing of 2020 for it to come out in and then the rest is history how people that did watch it didn't really enjoy it. The critics didn't enjoy it. I was probably the lone I felt like a lone voice out there in the wilderness singing his praises. But even among my social circle that are Nolan fans did not receive this entirely with open arms unless they were used to quantum mechanics again of which I already talked about before I will touch a little bit on it but I'm not going to touch a lot about it, a lot about it so I'm going to let the trailer play out as I'm talking about the uh, the plot so it's pretty straightforward Nolan calls this a spy flick. So think about the grand old days of when the James Bond movies were like a a globe-trotting thing. And it had to be meeting people, exotic places, finding a MacGuffin. that takes you to the other MacGuffin. uh, Moeller and team at the the EFAB crew called it a, a, not on this one, but a different movie, called it a a McMuffin. (laughs) Uh, Because it's like, I need to get my McMuffin and then get the next one. So the premise of this one is that time is running out. What that means, I will talk about in the spoiler section. But the point is that it's an end of the world scenario, as they tend to be in some of these cases, for which is why this does feel like a more epic uh, Nolan thing, because we don't deal with end of the world scenarios in Nolan movies, unless you count Interstellar. But that was a setup where the Earth was dying. But in this case, um, this is him taking everything that he learned regarding building epics and just... I guess you could say, uh, um, putting it to, to frame here. So we have the protagonist, that's literally his name, protagonist. He doesn't have an actual name, so he doesn't really have a background or anything, which is why it was hard to connect with the film. Um, I kind of disagree about that, but let's just go with it. But this surrounded by by cast of characters that tend to have more personality and physical um, like uh, characteristics that people can connect with overall. So the setup is that uh, this character Needs to get this thing, whatever it might be, that I'll talk about in the in the review section, in order to prevent the world from ending. And how it's ending, I'll talk about the spoiler section. And there's a woman that can help him get to the the villain. So that's kind of who you're seeing there. The one that's kind of ominous in the trailer, um, always talking down to him. That is the the villain in this movie. And the woman is that we see is basically the key that he uses to get to this villain. Now, the trick is that some of the stuff is happening backwards in what is called inversion. Uh, Like the future is somehow communicating with the past and the present to, I guess, change events that are happening. Um, and that's what's uh, making uh, time kind of collide with itself. Uh, I guess that's as simple as I can explain it without entirely spoiling it. So um, that's why I'll stop it. Uh, there's a little bit of spoiler here for those of you that haven't seen it, so I'm going to stop it there in the trailer. Uh, let me talk about the review section now. So with the review, for those of you that know, I absolutely enjoyed this movie. Uh, is it his Nolan's best? I have an entire episode called The Best and the Worst of Nolan for a reason. Um, because uh, this is big, it's bold, it's in your face, and it's not shy about it. And that's what I love about it. What I hate about it is, can you understand a thing? Um, no, sometimes characters with heavy accents are trying to give plot points over super loud sound effects or music that drowns out the dialogue, and like, what are they saying? So that's a knock on Nolan. So that's the that's the negative. That's why I always recommend it since it's Stellar check out Nolan's movies, his direct movies, well, not the Dark Knight trilogy, but his direct movies. It's recommended you watch it with subtitles because odds are, even if you can pick up what they're saying, you might have missed something. And when you're reading it. Even though it's kind of distracting, if you find it sometimes distracting, uh, I'm used to it just because I watch a lot of foreign uh, stuff, including anime. So I've kind of gotten used to it. But for the most part, I don't like that I have to do that for Nolan movies. But when it comes to his style of filming and the complexity of his plots and the mechanics that he employs for what he does, you do need them. And it helps you grasp a deeper understanding of what he was getting at in the film. Uh, And then when you watch the the behind-the-scenes stuff, you realize this guy's Operating at an entirely different level So that's my advice For for those of you that have issues with that And especially since now most people You can't see this in the theater Uh, You can only see it at home Um, You'll probably have a better chance of doing that And enjoying it in your own place Uh, When I watched it uh, last night as of this recording uh, Again with my family uh, My wife's like can you lower the volume I'm I'm like that's not me That's Nolan Like, The dialogue is just normal You want to put more volume And I was like Boom, 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 Like, whoa, dude. Yeah, if you thought Inception was in your face, you ain't heard nothing yet. (laughs) And so Tenet, the the music is very much a characteristic of the movie on purpose. And I I like it because it kind of really sets the the tone for the final act where it's like, if the world's going to end kind of scenario, this music is just driving home the desperation of it. So that's the crew section of the review when it comes to the cast. I think the cast was fantastic. Some have expressed their uh their issues with John David Washington. John David Washington, right? Uh the protagonist, that he was a weak lead in all this. Um, that may be, but I don't know how much of it was the was the script for protagonists and the fact that he didn't really know what his character arc was, because technically, for the if you watch it straightforward, he doesn't have a character arc. I'll touch it on the spoiler review though. So if he doesn't have a character where does the character go with progression Uh, i think that the the point was kind of lost there that it wasn't technically about the main character just like it wasn't an inception when you actually watch it it wasn't really about Cobb. um it was about what can be done with a heist uh idea that takes place in the mind and you can just do all these gravity and time defying things so in this one it's kind of the same thing too we just needed the the lens of someone to see things, but, but credit to where credits due because the dude used to play, I think, football um in college. This was a physically demanding role, and the dude knocks it out of the park. the the choreography sells it when he's fighting. So people say, oh, the inverse fight, I think the inverse fighting and the uh, infighting is actually really good some people missed it out because of an edit heroes or, or two then they just judge the whole fight based on that no 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 no. watch it in context particularly when i'm talking about the spoiler section um a particular scene i think that's what sells it to me the most i think it's one of the best fight scenes i've seen without any like fancy stuff or the the asian martial arts stuff like the raid that's like that's hardcore stuff no but i'm talking about american cinema this was pretty on the nose and you needed an actor that could pull that off And John David David Washington pulled it off. So to me, the highlight, obviously, in all this is uh, Robert Pattinson. I always said, wait until Tenet comes out, and he'll make you a believer that he can be the next Batman. Um, I take it back a little bit. He can be the next Bruce Wayne, not the next Batman. He doesn't have the physique for it. So that's where I'll leave it there. Okay, now here is your five-second countdown before I enter my spoiler review. So this was your final warning. Hit the timestamp. Jump to the end. Time for the spoilers. Okay, notice at the at the bottom of the screen here is the pitch meeting. I have an issue with that, and I get to address this. Uh, that I didn't address it in my uh, in in focus, if you will, in my lengthy two hour discussion with my friend. I didn't dis- discuss it then, so I'm going to condense basically two hours of the conversation in two minutes here uh, with respect to the mechanics of this film. Let me be clear. In saying that I absolutely love this movie, I knew exactly what Nolan was getting at. This was not a time traveling movie in the least, but because there's time bending and defying moments in this where past and present, or the future and the present, are colliding kind of with the past simultaneously, that's because the best way I can describe it is the Tesseract scene from Interstellar where there's a flow of time that's physically manifested and Matthew McConaughey's character is able to travel among that. So Coop is moving through this thing through different times and places. So if you're looking at time simply through the prism of a flowing river that just goes forward, um, that's where people kind of get lost in this. It's like, well, how can these events happen in the way they do? Uh, If you're looking at a timeline, a timeline where moving across past present and future is forward in an alternate time then this makes sense i don't want to get to the quantum mechanics of things uh, and uh, the theory of relativity and all this but because i can't talk about it in 2 minutes but for the most part understanding just that little bit is what helps you grasp what the movie was aiming for there is some actual physic physics I'm gonna say physicality, but it just didn't fit. But the actual physics uh, of the movie that were lent to help build this reality of things, such as inverting the entropy of an object where it moves backwards instead of forwards, um, and what can it do to the physical space around us? What can it do to mass? Whether it's an object inanimate or an uh, animate object like a human being, what can it do to them? All these ideas are actually touched on in the movie. Uh, particularly where the character gets shot How can they heal with the inverse bullet And things like that They, they kind of play that as like, well, They can't heal in forward time Because it happened in reverse So we got to go through reverse time So they can heal Yes, that is how it happened in the movie Which is pretty awesome Now, with respects to I know I did mention There was one thing I want to touch on the, On the spoiler m- m- review uh, I don't remember what it exactly was So I'll try to remember Before I wrap this thing up But for the most part uh Robert Pattinson uh makes a believer out of me but what um John David okay here we go uh John David uh, his physicality i was talking about one particular scene that he that he's just stands out greatly um is the first scene where he meets with, uh, with the with the blonde lady. i don't her name's uh, evading me right now but um he is set up to be jumped by a, a bunch of goons from the villain and he goes to the kitchen area to deal with them and he takes them out expertly. Never does it feel like it's uh, like he's uh, overpowered or anything because the dude, we're it was already established that the dude is physically capable and it just looks legit. My, my wife's like, this thing is too violent. I'm like, that looks. Pretty intense, very well done, well choreographed, particularly dealing in the kitchen with all those kitchen items. Um, I thought that was pretty, pretty well done. So it establishes that, hey, he's an imposing figure. One of the things that, uh, like I said, that uh, characters that do have story arcs, kind of Neil, Reverend Panza's character, the one that doesn't have one is uh, the protagonist. He actually does because he's trying to save the world from ending because time is literally going to end. The, the future and the present are gonna, I mean the future and the past will collide at the present. and then once those unstoppable force and immovable objects meet, basically they cancel each other out anything that has been and ever will be stops existing. So that is basically the premise of the movie for what uh, the protagonist is trying to solve. And he's doing anything and everything to get to the, like anything is a means to an end to him. And he's using people along the way because there's no emotions involved. So some people say, well, I can't, I couldn't connect to the protagonist because he doesn't really have character. Actually, he does because there's, there's that particular moment where he basically compromises the mission because he feels bad that he used, that blonde woman has a means to an end, and she's paying a price for it. And even though in this whole scale of things, billions of lives are on the balance and the future too, the fact that he's that his humanity gets in the way is what helps compromise his ability to do things, which forces him to try to save her like when she's shot by an inverse bullet. And he has to go inverse uh, or backwards in time. He's not time traveling. Because this is where some people were confused. Oh, he's time traveling. So how did he get back to the timeline? When I walked out of the movie, like he didn't. Ne- he never left his timeline. We saw the successful mission of the timeline. To which is why I addressed the pitch meeting. The pitch meeting, uh, try to talk about. Oh, look at the backgrounds. They're always in different backgrounds. never background when they're talking about. Uh, like they they have a conversation. They pick it up later. No. And when and when I watched it again last night, it validated my point that I was making. The prote- we're seeing through Nolan's eyes and the protagonist, the successful mission, because this mission has been tried multiple times. The giveaways in the end scene with Neil, Neil Patrick, of uh, uh, Robert Pattinson's character, because they had to attempt that ending so many different times, according to the to what we understand at the end of the movie. So when we're seeing the successful timeline, we're seeing the characters having the main conversation of the main uh, uh, mission objective in different locales, that's on purpose because as soon as they get to the point where John David's protagonist changes the rest of the direction, we don't have those jumpings anymore. Now it's the rest of the linear story because that was the only way. And when the things change are at the very end and the the epic action scene that takes place in both reverse and forward time. Awesome, okay? If that's the last movie that Nolan ever does, I am so grateful I got to see that mastery on display. How do you pull off something that complicated? Only Nolan could do it. It is complicated. And it's a beautiful thing to behold because it does make sense when you're able to sit down and analyze it. And that's the thing. Nolan doesn't talk down to his audience. He exp- he elevates the audience with him. He's teaching them along the way. I talked about this in Inception, uh, when Inception uh, discussions where in the opening scene, he's already giving a discourse on how to understand the mechanics of the film, the playing with time, the dream sequences, and what can be done. He's already setting that up. In Tenet, it's so complicated that half of the movie is basically setting that up. And then the rules of being in reverse when they finally get to that world where they're going in reverse time. So basically retracing most of every step that's already been done. So that's all genius. So then when you set up the stuff heading to one direction and then set up what's heading in the backwards direction and then mashing them at the very end is nothing short of genius. And if you watch the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, like I just – I haven't even seen the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, but I just started watching it. Everything that I assumed about the movie was true. But here's a pivotal thing. There was a panel with Nolan at the – I think December last year, and someone asked, how does the protagonist get to the main timeline? And I said, he's – like I said in my stuff before that after watching the movie, he never left his timeline. And Nolan said the very thing. He never left his timeline. That's In essence, what he said. He never left his timeline. Because we saw the successful timeline. That's why the locales change when the characters in track with one another. That is why when they when they get to basically the, the, the truck heist scene, there's no more jumping around anymore. Now it's linear, if you will, storytelling. And that's a key thing. Because they needed to get to that point. Because when you watch the movie, that moment of the truck heist scene, the villain... Stands to a side and you blink, you miss it. He says to someone on the radio, tell me everything as it happens. He was tipped off about what was going to happen. So that's why we see it. The villain knew the ending. And this is the last spoiler I'll give. Protagonist. His version of the future tipped off. Everyone To help his past self Succeed in his mission He created Tenet He hired everybody To make this happen But he had to play Ignorance for which is why Neil, Robert Pattinson's character He always seems like he knows more than he should That's because his future self told him Do not give it away That we've known each other for years and that's where i'll leave it with there so you jump to this part is my concluding thoughts i heavily enjoyed the movie and if you've seen it already watch my spoiler version if you skipped it so you can understand why i enjoyed it why it makes sense and why people missed the point because this is operating at a whole other level and nolan does not condescend to his uh, to his audience he's elevating them with them but in some cases, like Inception, Interstellar, a lot of it can go over people's heads. And that's not Nolan's fault, per se. That's more the subject matter that's, well, it's not of much interest to a lot of people when you have to understand heavy, heavy theorems of of quantum mechanics, theory of relativity, and paradoxes that we still don't have answers to. And that Nolan continuously tries to, uh, to push the boundaries on in filmmaking. But... If this is the last movie of its kind that we see, because I knew what was going to happen, there was a rumor. Oh, yeah, Warner Brothers and Nolan agreed to a fourth The Dark Knight movie. Bull crap. I knew that for a fact. I said, no, 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 no. After the fallout with 10, I said, Nolan, leave Warner Brothers. Go back to doing what you do. And what happens a few months later? Nolan ends his relationship with Warner Brothers. And I'm like, good, because now you can go back to independent filmmaking, which is important, because with all this wokeness that's been going on, he probably won't be able to do his vision anyway. And the place to be is independent filmmaking, where you don't answer to higher ups or a bunch of screenwriters that have no idea what actual life is like. Instead of just trying to project things to people in the name of woke ink. And as an example, I haven't seen this movie. I'm going to watch it. Father, starring Anthony Hopkins. I want to see that one. It's an independent film, and I don't think you could have done that if it wasn't what it was. So, with that being said, if this is the last movie we see of Tenant, I want to see. Another either memento or prestige because the prestige, as I've said, is the last true Nolan movie before it was big budget spectacle and the original crew, like the music and all that. So, we'll see where it goes from there. Thank you so much for watching this episode. Like, subscribe, and know I'm gonna do a different uh, outro here. So, for those of you watching this, uh, as it's, it's review. This is where it's clipped so you can see the end cap. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Hopefully that means you liked it. By all means, show your support by hitting like down there. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the channel. And if you know anybody that will benefit from the content that I display here, by all means, please share it with those that you know. And I'll see you, and hopefully them, in the next one.